these two pieces of scripture this morning, this section from John's Gospel and a bit of Paul's letter to the Romans. In John's Gospel, Jesus is in the midst of the Last Supper with his disciples when he is offering this. He is reminding them of what is going to happen, though like you have the sense that they still don't really get what is about to happen, but this is his Last Supper with them. He's sort of pouring out all of the wisdom, all of the teaching, all of the love that he has for them. And in a sense, it's like he's trying to set them up to be able to endure, to receive, to maybe glimpse a little bit of understanding of what is going to unfold in the next few days. And he's telling them he's going to die. And he's inviting them to rejoice with him in that. And he's offering this other context. He is going to be rejoining the creator, if you will, so that, or, and then, the Holy Spirit, another expression of God, will be poured out upon them, and her work will continue to move over time and over time, and even current to today. But he's their friend and their teacher, and he has been with them in these last few years, working to shape them and form them, presumably so they'd be ready to receive this information and to continue on as his disciples. They would continue living in the world in such a way that their lives would be a witness and an example of the ways Jesus wanted them to be, and that their lives would be a witness and example to us, so that we could step into that pattern of discipleship, living our lives in service and in love of Christ. It's hard news. And he is inviting them to step into it with peace, with joy. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Remarkable for him to be offering this. If he had a glimpse of understanding what he was about to endure in the next few days, don't let your hearts be troubled. Tap into the, the depth of the connection to God. And like, no, with the knowing that, God's got your back. It's going to be okay. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, who is to come, as an advocate. Other texts describe her as the paraclete. She is coming to teach. She is coming to remind us of what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived. And she is coming to move in us and through us and among us. In some ways, she's coming to translate the specifics and the context of the scripture and then Jesus and his living out and understanding of the scripture. She's coming to translate that so that that scripture, those stories, stay alive for generations and generations to come. 
so that 2,000 years later, we read these stories about Jesus, and we read the stories that were written even thousands of years before Jesus lived. And they, they come alive for us. They mean something to us. They speak to us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's quite something to think of this, like, very holy pep talk Jesus was giving his disciples. Knowing what was to come and then knowing their reaction. They all, they all sort of scattered to the wind. There was some denial that happened. And then they locked themselves in a room because they were scared. And then, you know, the women come to the tomb and things unfold with hope and with wonder as resurrection invites. So we have this experience and this story of Jesus, this teaching of Jesus. And then the other lesson we have this morning is from Paul's letter to the Romans. So Paul is writing after, long after, not so long after, but long after Jesus has died. Um, Paul didn't know Jesus directly. But Paul is inviting us into a new way, into a deeper way of living, of walking with Christ. Paul is reminding us that through Christ, we are offered grace. We, we stand rooted in this space of grace. I think one of the ways we at St. John's try to come close to understanding what grace is, is when we say that this is a perfection-free zone. It's a phrase we often use at the 9 a.m., our intergenerational family service. It's a perfection-free zone. It doesn't mean we don't try our best and show up and, and do what we can do. But we are invited into a space where we are not called to be perfect. We are, we are called simply to be who we are in this space of grace, of God's love, of God's provision. So Paul reminds us that through Christ we stand in this space of grace. And that even when we are faced with suffering, we seek as Paul explains, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. The last little bit of this section is that hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Reverend Dr. Wilda Gaffney, as she put these scripture stories together, she's offering us different ways of understanding or seeing God's presence with us. We have Jesus talking to his disciples, Jesus as the incarnate Son of God, teaching, being present with his disciples, and pointing to the Holy Spirit who is going to come. And then we have, years later, Paul writing to a, a group of, of early Christians in a church in Rome who were trying to sort their stuff out and trying to figure things out. And Paul's like, hey, even when we suffer, it's okay. We're, he actually invites us to rejoice in that because it, it leads to endurance, to character, and to hope, and to this deeper sense that God's love has been poured into our hearts.
Paul also says, like, there's nothing that we could do or not do, say or not say, to separate us from God's love. That's grace. Like, we don't, we don't earn it, but we also don't ever lose it. When we celebrate baptism, that sacrament of baptism, when somebody is washed with water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit— our Trinitarian, the full understanding we Christians have of God. After you're washed with water, holy oil is used to form the sign of your cross, of a sign of the cross on your forehead, with the words, "You are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, and marked as Christ's own forever." Like grace, it's something that is a gift to us, something that we are invited to receive. It is this, like, indelible mark that becomes invisible as the oil dries. But we always carry around that mark, that sense of belonging in Christ, with Christ, to Christ. So what does that mean for us here today? The Holy Spirit, she's the one who helps to translate these old stories make them current, make them real. I don't mean to suggest or invite that we should seek out suffering. Suffering doesn't feel good. Suffering, I don't think, is necessary either to walking this life of Christ. I don't think we need to seek out ways to be reminded that we might fall short or be reminded that we don't live into things. We don't live into the fullness of the hope for ourselves. However, we're human, and part of that human story, part of our human condition, is that suffering does happen. I'm aware, both um, within our faith community and then with just some of my friends that I know in other places, in the last couple of weeks I have um, shared with people in their grief, as they are in the process of losing someone close to them or have just lost someone close to them just like the experience of Jesus' disciples. In this story, in this snapshot, he is gifting them with a bit of a pep talk to hopefully help see them through. There's suffering and loss. There's grief that we must move through. Maybe Paul's words offer a little bit of a safe space to land. If we remember deep within that it is a, it is a process that is helping to form us, to shape us with a, a depth of faith, a depth of spiritual understanding, with a, a rootedness that God's got our back. Because on the other end, there is hope. And hope doesn't disappoint, because God's love has already been poured into our hearts. It's happened, and it continues to happen. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us.